Jacob Dubois was a young man in the prime of his life. Silly, compassionate, and engaged to be married to the love of his life, Holly. Late one evening, his friend Ethan Beckman called and asked Jacob to hang out. Holly stayed up all night waiting for him to return, but he never did. Now, Holly and Jacob's mother, Sylvia, are left to piece together what happened that night. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing very, very well, Tim. Um, of course, I hope everyone out there is doing well. And oh, more than more than anything, I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much, Lance. I am doing well. And I'm really excited to speak about this case. We're talking about the disappearance of Jacob Dubois from Shirts, Texas, on March 7th, 2021. This case was submitted to private investigations for the missing and a researcher named Rachel Oliver put together some research here with the help of our Jennifer Amell. We go over it together in this episode, and we play clips from Jennifer's interview with Jacob's mother, Sylvia, and his girlfriend, Holly. So at the time of his disappearance, he was 22 years old, 5 foot 9 inches, about 157 pounds. He had brown hair, brown eyes, and he was last seen wearing a gray and white short sleeve shirt, gray sweatpants, and black Nike shoes. And anyone with information is asked to contact the Shirts Police Department at 210-619-1200, or you can click the link to Crime Stoppers in the show notes. As always, make sure to follow Private Investigations for the Missing on their social media pages. There are links in the show notes for that as well. And check out what they're doing on their website at investigationsforthemissing.org. And Lance, we have an exciting new subscription service to tell our listeners about. It's for this show. I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because we've been working on it behind the scenes for a few months now. And while it is true we are moving from Patreon onto Supporting Cast, our new hosting site for the subservice, it's not anything that we're upset about with Patreon. It's not anything like we're, we don't like the way that works. We truly appreciate Patreon, but... What we need to do, what we want to do, the content that we want to provide to the people who are signing up for the subservice, we're better equipped to do through supporting cast. And I'm talking about things like ad-free episodes, episodes where you get to hear very in-depth and provocative theories that we have on the disappearances, on the cold cases. You'll get to hear Tim, myself, and Jen really dig deep into what the possibilities are for this particular cold case or that particular cold case. And that's something we really don't do on the public feed. And we're also going to do a live Ask Us Anything with uh, with me, you, and Jen every month, Lance, and our Tier 2 subscribers. So that is going to be a lot of fun. And you can check this out at missing.supportingcast.fm. And there's a link in the show notes as well. And we also have all of our old creators commentary episodes, Lance, from the Missing Maura Murray podcast. Oh, right. Who can forget about that content? What an interesting endeavor we embarked upon back then in 2018, where we listened to the early episodes of Missing Maura Murray. And then with the knowledge that we had and all the information that we had since then, we could go back and do this sort of director commentary over the episode. It was only available on a premium service, and now you can get it through supporting cast. And it's informative. It's also 
hilarious at times. And it's also very, um, at least personally for me, just a special kind of torture. So you can hear us go through this special kind of torture as we listen to ourselves from from years past, the old Tim and Lance, the babes just wandering about the woods. Very entertaining, but also we come in with a lot of new relevant information. All right, so check that out. Link in the show notes. And Lance, we're going to CrimeCon at the end of April. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you're thinking about going, you can use code CRAWLSPACE, which is one of our other podcasts. Code CRAWLSPACE to get 10% off your standard badge at CrimeCon.com. And everybody knows how excited we are to see our listeners in person again, to see all of the other podcasters and all of the other content creators that we've seen so much of over Zoom. We get to see everybody in person. Another thing that I'm excited about is that everybody gets to be introduced to this new company, our new partners, Glassbox, much like the way they've facilitated our move from Patreon to supporting cast. They are also going to be a significant presence at CrimeCon. There'll be a little area there. You'll see us. You'll see the Glassbox box folks amazing individuals you'll see all of the shows that are on their network that are at CrimeCon. so have a conversation with them grab a coffee or a beer with them and just find out how cutting edge they are and what they're all about all right everybody thanks a lot for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode make sure to follow us on social media at missing csm this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And welcome back to Missing. Jennifer Amell, how are you today? Doing pretty well. It's uh, very snowy up here in the great state of Vermont. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to talk about this case. It's, it's interesting and sad. And I actually got to sit down with Jacob Dubois' mother and fiance and talk at length about how wonderful Jacob was. And it really kind of bleeds out of the audio, out of the video, how much they really loved Jacob. This is a case that came to private investigations for the missing from Sylvia, Jacob's mother. And this research was conducted by a new researcher. Her name is Rachel Oliver. So thank you, Rachel. And thank you. You mentioned that you uh, had the chance to speak with Sylvia, Jacob's mother, and his fiance Holly. And that must have been uh, really tough to do. So again, thank you for that. And um, big thank you to PIs for the Missing for uh, even you know bringing this to our attention. It's a truly tragic uh, loss of a very unique and uh, individual who had a lot of uh, potential. Indeed. And uh, Jacob has been missing since March 7th, 2021. So this is a fairly recent case um, with developments that um, are really still still happening. And Jacob was missing from Shirts, Texas, 
which is near San Antonio and the New Braunfels area. And he's clearly a uh, male, aged 22 at the time of his disappearance, 5 foot 9 inches, about 157 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes, uh, last seen wearing a gray and white short sleeve shirt, gray sweatpants, and black Nike shorts. And right off the top here, anyone with information about Jacob Dubois is asked to contact the Shirts Police Department, and that's S C H E R T Z at 210-619-1200 or Crime Stoppers. You can search Jacob Dubois, D U B O I S. And he was last seen wearing a gray and white short sleeve shirt, gray sweatpants, and black Nike shoes. So, Jen, what was it like to conduct this interview with Sylvia and Holly? I would characterize it as pretty bittersweet. These these two women are lovely, lovely people. Um, I really enjoyed talking to them and learning more about Jacob. He just seemed like the coolest guy, like so charming and so sweet. You listen to them here kind of describe what Jacob was like. I'm Holly Hook. And I'm Sylvia Dubois. I am Jacob's mom. And um, we have been missing our loved ones since March, technically 7th, and and uh, reported by the police by the 8th, you know, and then again on the 9th. Yes, um, that's my son. Isn't he so handsome? He's got and such this, luscious hair. <laughs> yes, that he did. And you know what? These two pictures were taken so close, especially this one, right before he disappeared. Because they had taken this February picture. 18th, the day of his birthday. When the snowmageddon happened in Texas. But Jacob, oh my gosh. Uh, it sure like her. The love of my life here. And has left a hole in my heart, but he's just so awesome, outgoing, smiling, especially when he was around her. He was that smile you see on the picture, it, it would light up the room because of her. It would. I mean, he loved her so much. He's just very kind to others, was always like um, trying to see how he can help others, you know, and um, just, he was a good boy. He's a good boy. When he was a younger, um, going to be honest, just like every teenager, you know, got into his troubled ways. And But, you know, that um, what really, really helped a lot was when he met Hallie, it's like the most wonderful two years of his life. He totally, like, totally changed. She really gave him a lot of things to look forward, um, you know, to on a daily basis, like waking up in the morning, it was like a big smile on his face, because it's like, oh my gosh, I have the love of my life right here, and he was just very happy, very happy, and um, being which we can't, I, I think this is what makes it hard for us is because he was, for the past three, two, three years, he was like in in heaven, I would say, because he's been, um, everything was 
turning around for him. He was looking forward to a future, a future with her. Um, I kept asking him after high school, where are you going to college? Where do you want to go to college? Nah, I don't want to do that. But as soon as she mentioned it to him, you know, and says, no, we got to go to college. We've got to got do this. We've got, he's like, oh yeah, mama, we're going to go to college. I'm like, that's right. I've been telling you all this time. So, you know, I guess moms don't have the influence that, um, a young lady of persuasion here with a big smile was able to do it. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful to her and everything that he looked forward to in his life. How, how did you meet Jacob? Um, <laughs> so I used to work at Kane's for a little over a year and I saw him once or twice and like the drive through or whatnot, but then we end up, initially meeting at our place of establishment at Evo. It's a dining movie theater. And uh, he offered to drive me home. And from there on, we just kept hanging out since. Oh, what did you like about him? His big ears. <laughs> he had really big ears, <laughs> which I thought was just so funny. And I just, yeah, but he's, he was goofy. He was so goofy and just always laughing and trying to be the light in people's life, always trying to get people to have fun and joke around and always wanting to do stuff left and right, super active. So always constantly wanting to go do something different. He kept things going and I was stuck and he got me out of that room. So. They were the yin to their yin, I think. <laughs> they really, really, truly, I feel they complemented each other very well. That's lovely. You guys were engaged to be married. Did he propose or did you propose? It was more along the lines of him and it was conversations happening kind of thing. Because I'm not very like a whole showy person and he really is. So it was, pro- it was more like a little secret thing first. We were probably eating a bunch of food all the time. <laughs> a lot of the times we, uh, we would uh, record videos of like either taking the first bite or clink you know, cheers, cheersing our food. So like, there's a bunch of videos in my phone where it's like, cheers or clink, clink. And then it was going to be a video of the entire year of us just like of different foods that we were like clinking together. Um, as far as friends go, we mostly hung out with my best friend. So we would, uh, go to like in October, the pumpkin patch and like cut out pumpkin. We would both spend the night at my best friend's house. And like, we would, do a lot of crafts because I love crafting. It's something I really love to do. And so he was always down for anything. So we would like make little trays or spray paint something or paint and um, mold sculptures, this, that, and this stuff. So we would, were constantly doing something crafty with my best friend most of the time. <laughs> Which is something that caught me off guard when I saw what she was getting him to do. He was sketching again. He had stopped doing that in high school because he took an art class. But then when he got with her, he started sketching a little, what is it, Disney characters for her. And he sketched a portrait of them two holding on to each other on a canvas. He took my graduation picture and just by looking at the picture, he recreated on this gigantic canvas. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't even know you could draw. <laughs> Like, it was crazy. I was like, 
And so he was constantly drawing something new every day. Like when I was at work and he was at home, he would be like drawing and stuff. Is it, is it hard to relive memories with Jacob or do you find some comfort in remembering the good times? I'm not sure though. We want him to be here. You know, that's the hardest part is we want him to be here with us. Might I say it always impresses me when we cover stories of individuals who are in their early 20s and the description that people give of them who are close to them is they're compassionate, they never give up on their friends, they're responsible, mature, they had, you know, they were driven. Um, because I always think of myself in the early, my early 20s, and I don't know if anyone would ever describe me like that. Uh, you know, I, and there's some parts of my 20s that I don't, I don't remember or something, you know, and just to hear this is, I guess it's motivational. I guess it's inspirational to me. Yeah, Jacob had a really good head on his shoulders. I know he was uh, struggling a bit after graduating high school. His mom was saying like, you know, she was trying to encourage him to apply to college and figure out what he was going to do with the rest of his life. But it wasn't until he met Holly that he was like, I got to get things on track. I got to go to college. I got to get a career and, you know, marry this woman. So it seemed like she was a great impetus in his life. So now to the details of Jacob's disappearance. Jacob went missing on Sunday, March 7th, after 11.30 p.m. in Schertz, Texas, after Ethan Beckman, 20 years old, picked him up from his home where he was with his girlfriend, Holly Hook. And Jacob and Ethan, they went to school together over the years and were friends in the past, but I guess uh, reportedly Ethan had some personal problems that caused Jacob to take a step back from their uh, friendship, um, I guess recently, uh, and Jen they elaborate on this a little bit in the in the upcoming clip, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a complicated uh, friendship between Jacob and Ethan. I don't know if Jacob particularly enjoyed Ethan. He felt a little sorry for him, and he was the type of person who would never give up on a friend either. So he saw Ethan going through a really hard time, and uh, you'll hear his fiance Holly talk about that. How would you characterize the friendship between Jacob and Ethan? Can you call it a friendship? It was kind of like, if I have to, or if I, if you bribe me kind of thing, kind of a friendship on Jacob's end. Um, for Ethan, I would believe it's like, it seemed like in my eyes, he was obsessed with Jacob because nights that we would have to work, we'd be in bed, ready to go to bed about 10, 15, 10, 30. Ethan would randomly pull up here and be like, I'm outside your house. Come outside almost on a nightly basis. And I'm like, you got to stop that. That is scary. That is creepy. I don't like that. He'd pull up and sometimes Jacob wouldn't even be home. And it's just me. It's like eight in the morning and he's calling Jacob's phone and Jacob's knocked out. He is a heavy sleeper. And I'm like, why is this guy? I'll hang up the phone right away. I'm like, you woke me up. I'm going back to sleep. And then he'll call my phone. And I'm like, we're sleeping. Oh, well, can you know? Well, can you just let him know I called him whenever he went? Yeah hangs up the phone like he wanted him all that he wanted to be around him all the time all the time like it was it was crazy and holly said jacob left late at night to go hang out with ethan and here's a clip was there anyone in his life that was like problematic or was mad at him for any reason um all of his friends had their issues whether it was mental or physical or just emotional, which I mean, that's people in general, that's life. 
some more than others. Um, he had a best friend at one point, which Jacob refuses to get up on people, refuses. He, he wants to be there for you no matter what you do. But it got to the point where he couldn't anymore because it was putting his life in danger too. And so he completely cut him off and I wasn't even allowed to meet him. That's how much he was like, I don't want any contact with him. I don't want you meeting him, X, Y, and Z. He would, I would see him call his phone and he would just let go. And as far as that goes, that's the only person besides obviously the friend who's in jail at the moment that would have any disregard for him or harm. I was waiting for Jake to get home because we had known since he went missing on Sunday. We had known since that Friday that I was going to get some bad news from my mother. I didn't know what it was, but I had two guesses and my younger siblings knew. And so when I put down the two guesses, they stopped texting my brother and I back. So I already knew what it was without knowing what it was. I got the information. He had dropped me off at my mom's house. We got told I come back home. We're waiting for him to get home. And he comes home and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, Hey, like, what's up? How was your day before we even jump into any of that? And as I'm like trying to make him food or whatever, he tells me that Ethan, there's something wrong with Ethan and he really wants to see me right now. And I told him I would. And I was like, did you forget that we had already planned to talk and sit down about whatever everything happened? He's like, I thought we already talked about it. Cause he, I guess he read the messages wrong and thought it was about something else and not what it was. And I was like, no. And I'm not the girl who's like, you can't hang out with your friends. You know, you have to stay home. I, you know, I refuse. So I was upset. I go upstairs. I turn on my, turn my TV show back on and I'm just laying in the bed and the room's pitch black. And he comes in, he was like, I don't have to go if if you don't want me to. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you not to go. That's not who I am, whatever, X, Y, Z. If you want to go, then go. But I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And so he was like, well, I promise I won't be, I promise I'll only go for 20 minutes. I was like, I'm not saying you have to do that. Like that's, if you want to go for longer, you can go for longer. He's like, okay, I promise we'll try to be 20 minutes. If not, no more than two hours because Ethan had a habit of manipulating him into like, if he didn't want to hang out, he'd be, he finally convinced him to hang out and then like would lie about what they're going to do or having stuff that they already needed to hang out or whatever. And then taking him for three hours, four hours and be like, whenever he got in the car and he's like, oh, well, I don't have this or don't like, I need to go get this X, Y, Z and taking him like for hours. So he was like, no more than two hours. So I was upset. So I said, bye or whatever. And he left. I had this worst feeling in my stomach and it was 1135 at night, whenever he left, I waited till one, he still wasn't home. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me just stay up and see how late he's actually going to be. And then it got to 3 a.m. And I was, I was mad. I was angry. And I was like, seriously, like I have his location. I had all his passwords, everything, X, Y, Z. I never used them, but you know, whatever. So with Apple iPhone, if you check somebody's location, sometimes it says no connection, but you have to refresh it. And then the thing comes up like the actual location. So when I checked it, it said no location, no connection found or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I went to sleep. And I'm a light sleeper. So if you open the door, I wake up. If you get in the bed, I wake up. Two hours went by. I woke up. He still wasn't in the room. And I was like, okay, like, I don't, I don't like this. So it's 5 a.m. at this point. I'm like, I don't like this at all. Something's wrong. I go back to sleep. 
and two hours later, he's still not home. So at this point, I'm hoping that he just got drunk and he stayed at his house. I finally got back up at 7.30 and I stayed awake until 10 a.m. because I thought that was a reasonable hour to go to somebody's house and make on their door. And so I, I texted her as soon as I, like, as soon as it was a reasonable hour, I was like, hey, Jacob didn't come home last night. So she came, she picked me up. At this point in time, we're thinking, ah, these bozos probably got arrested, you know? So we're calling jails, the hospitals, XYZ, as we're driving to Ethan's house. We get into Ethan's community and I see Ethan's car. The first thing I do is I go look at his car because the front bumper of his car is missing. And I thought that was weird to begin with. I look inside his car. I don't see anything. All I see is like keys, like spare keys just chilling on the seat, which was weird because Ethan had a gigantic amount of keys on one keychain and Jacob kept loose keys. And so I was like, okay, whatever. So I bang on Ethan's door for five minutes. No answer. Nobody comes to the door. We're low on gas. So we drive five minutes down the road. We come back and Ethan's car is gone. And he's just like, okay, well, I'm gonna give Ethan a call and see what's up. And I'm like, okay, gets in the car, he calls Ethan. And then all of a sudden we start seeing him laughing in the car. And we're just like, what? Like, what? Gets out the car. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Gets out the car and he's like, well, I just spoke to Ethan and he said that they got high as shit in the back of the neighborhood or whatever. And um, he was like, what did he say? And then that he drove off before he uh, got, while uh, Jacob was walking home. And I was like, okay, but why are you laughing? He was like, I just gotta seem like I'm on, like, you know, it's not that serious. I'm in a playful manner with him. So he's not like, you know, defensive. And then I was like, okay. He didn't write down any other information besides Jacob's name. Ethan's name, Ethan's number. I said, he was like, but to be honest with you, this is going to be, this is, they're probably not going to take this seriously. I would wait like three days or so uh, to file another report because he is a 22 year old male. Cases like this all the time, they end up just running away, running out, you know, like just leaving. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what 22 year old man leaves his PlayStation, his mom's car, his his doesn't take a bag of clothes, his toothbrush, his rape, stuff like that, especially not a PlayStation. Like if, I mean, seriously. So by 7 a.m. the next morning, Jacob still wasn't home. And after promising that he would not be gone for more than two hours, the following day when Holly spoke to Ethan, he told her that they went to a construction area in the back of the neighborhood. And here's Holly describing how that didn't really make too much sense. We went down there and we looked at people's cameras. There was not a car around that time that Ethan said that they went back there. So we knew he was lying already. What he told us was a lie. My son is not the type who just gets up and goes without saying, you know, hey, I'm I'm stuck over here with no gas or um, I'll be home late. Or he always communicates something. The thing that was off is that every single time he was with Ethan, he would constantly text me. Constantly. The thing that was off about that night is he did not text me not once the entire time. I knew something was wrong when he left. I knew something was wrong when he was gone. I knew. 
I had a gut feeling. And then Holly filed a missing persons report on Monday, March 8th, after she was unable to get in touch with Jacob and unable to communicate with Ethan regarding Jacob's whereabouts. I think some of the details on this really stand out to me because recently we've covered uh, disappearances where it's been like several days or a week where somebody uh, disappears before anybody files a missing person report. Uh, again, I'm impressed at, at the, the like being in your early 20s and being so responsible. That missing person report was filed the next day by Holly, and they just start immediately looking for him. There was no there was no downtime. It was like he was gone longer than he should have been. Something's wrong. Like they had this, uh, I guess sixth sense or or intuition that something was not right here. Yeah, that's totally true. And it really speaks to how assertive Holly and Sylvia and Jacob's family were in this matter. Like they took it super seriously really quickly. And I think like off mic in our interview together, they kind of said, you know, I we wish that we um, would have been more assertive with the investigation. Um, maybe it would have happened differently or, you know, it as we get into the story, maybe maybe some of those things wouldn't have been so messy had they been more assertive. But I think, I think uh, one never knows what to do when someone goes missing. It's not like you prepare for something like this. And I think Holly in particular acted exactly how she should have. She was worried. She alerted, you know, Sylvia, and then she went to the police. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes it's just really frustrating to hear about that time in between where a family member knows there's something wrong with their loved one. They don't go missing like this and then they can't file the police report yet or the investigation isn't really thrust into action for several days. And it's just a a tough period of time. And it's tragic on many levels here. You know, she's second guessing her actions uh, in the hours uh, after the disappearance. And, you know, if they had been more assertive, that could have turned the law enforcement against them. You know, they were being too aggressive. So I guess it really doesn't matter what you do as long as you do something as soon as possible, because you're always going to second guess what you've done. You're always going to say, could I have done better? But I will say, I think this is a, a good teachable moment for, for everybody. Like the worst that'll happen if you think something is wrong and you contact the authorities, if someone's not around for a few hours for, for a day and you, and you are afraid that you're looking like you're being a, uh, an alarmist by contacting somebody, the worst that'll happen is people will say you overreacted and, and you know, it all worked out in the end. You know, that's the worst that'll happen. So waiting a long period of time, just again, I feel like this is a, a teachable moment for people out there. It doesn't do any good. It only increases anxiety and it only like adds to the length of time that could have been used investigating the disappearance. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. You should always raise the alarm if you feel something is wrong in your gut. But I think um, what Holly was referring to was in during the course of the investigation. It's like once she had alerted to the police what had happened and she gave all the information. They kind of sat on it. They didn't do much. They didn't go after Ethan. They barely talked to him. And I think what she was referring to was wishing that she had pushed more during that time period. But I think with it, what it comes down to is that Sylvia and Holly just trusted the police to do their job. And they didn't know that they had to be on top of them, you know, every hour trying to get them to go out and interview the person who last saw Jacob. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. An official message from Medicare. 
A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. On the morning of March 8th, Holly and Jacob's mother, Sylvia, drove to Ethan's home in search of Jacob. Ethan's 2019 Volkswagen Jetta was parked at the home when they arrived. There was no answer at the front door and no answer to texts or calls. Sylvia and Holly had to leave Ethan's briefly to put gas in the car before returning back to Ethan's home shortly after. Yeah, and when they returned back after a few minutes to get that gas, they returned back to Ethan's home, and his Jetta is no longer parked in the driveway. It's gone. They don't know where he went. And Holly calls Ethan and Jacob's phone repeatedly, and both are switched off. Highly suspicious behavior. Um, Obviously, if his car was there, it's likely that he might have been there, especially when the car is missing only a few minutes later. Sounds like he was definitely there hearing those knocks. So it's very frustrating. But later in the day on the 8th, Ethan finally does respond to Holly via text message and tells her he was uh, just getting food, explaining why he didn't answer the door. Uh, Holly continues to ask Ethan where Jacob is. This is all through text messages. And she also tells Ethan she's about to file a missing person report for Jacob. And what was Ethan's reaction to Holly telling him that? Well, Holly reported that Ethan got angry and defensive and suggested a couple of different stories and reasons why Jacob was missing, including alleging he was cheating but couldn't actually back up any of his claims to both police and or Sylvia or Holly. Well, that's kind of scummy. I mean, even if your friendship isn't the best, even if it's sort of deteriorating, I mean, who who does that? Who Who will just, like, make accusations like that? There's no evidence Uh, It just seemed like weak and empty. Yeah, you can definitely tell by this next clip that Ethan was scrambling to say something to explain away where Jacob was. 
and why he wasn't answering her. It's, it's very confusing what he what he tries to say. And I think like by saying like, oh, he's cheating on you anyway, was trying to get Holly like off the off the chase. Right. Like mm-hmm. to get her angry with Jacob so she wouldn't look into where he was. And this is something he told the police as well, right? I don't know if he told police about the cheating thing. I think that was just to Holly. But he definitely told many stories to police that didn't make any sense. He would tell us different stories, X, Y, Z, like, well, I didn't drop him off. I went to go drive him to that girl's house. So where is it? I I don't know. I don't know San Antonio like that. That man can drive San Antonio without a GPS. Like we knew, like we know he's lying. I was like, okay, so what, what highway did you take? Oh, you dropped him off at a gas station now. Okay. So what, which gas station was it? Like I was constantly asking questions. And he didn't like that. And he kept stuttering, swishing stuff up. Like it wasn't, he couldn't keep the same story. And get this, we later find out on that same day when Ethan left his home while Holly and Sylvia refilled their car with gas, Ethan actually wrecked his car and hit public property and fled the scene. And this resulted in, quote, considerable damage, end quote. Yeah, I saw a picture of Ethan's car and it's not like a, his car wasn't totaled. I think he may have hit a telephone pole, but the entire bumper and like front grill was dented. The bumper was falling off. So it was a significant accident. And I'm not sure if this was purposeful. Like, I don't know if there was evidence to hide or he had been in another crash. I don't think they reported seeing any damage to that car when they first pulled up to Ethan's house. Or it could speak to Ethan's state of mind. If he's just kind of like frantic, driving around, uh, completely distracted, that could be a reason why. Or inebriated, too. Um, it could be a reason why he, he crashed. But I guess Ethan was able to at least drive that car enough to park it at a location uh, that was just north of town. And then he started using rideshare apps to make multiple trips to Walmart. Is that right? Yeah, this is some really odd behavior especially um in the time that he left his house took his jetta and crashed it i have to say he's acting very strangely um frantic behavior maybe even what was he purchasing at walmart yeah so during these trips to walmart ethan purchased drano paper towels bleach and lighter fluid um there's a couple other items that are redacted here because they're not Um, entirely public knowledge at this point, but some of these items were actually visible in the car per the responding officer's body cam footage when the car was found disabled. I mean, that's some pretty telling uh, information there. Drano, bleach, lighter fluid. Uh, Did he have a history? I know that he had some issues, but did he have a history of acting like erratic like this? like manic like this? Because it feels very manic to me. I don't know much about Ethan's life before this event. But from Holly's characterization, he just seems to be a troubled guy. She mentioned that he was harming animals, too, which we, as true crime people, kind of associate with serial killers now at this point. (laughs) Chapter one of the uh, going to be a serial killer handbook. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to speculate that he's harmed other people or whatever, but it does seem that Ethan is just a troubled dude. Sylvia actually weighs in on her thoughts. After learning all this information, she speaks about like what she kind of feels in her heart happened. 
in our hearts, we knew it was him. We, we know it's him. We know he did something to Jacob, but um, there was no um, evidence that would have been found if we wouldn't have kept going after him, you know? Uh, I'm just, I, I'm, I, I am uh, religious, I believe, you know, uh, that God intervened, you know, because he wanted to make sure that he, we found something on him. That's, that's my belief, you know, because if we had not gone to go looking for Jacob and would have left it as a, oh, you know, they're still out partying or something, you know, and we'll just wait till he gets home. This kid would have had enough time to do everything. And apparently he did because he went and bought uh, Drano, bleach, um, lighter fluid. He wouldn't have been able to, to get away from all of that stuff. You know, it just makes me so mad that they didn't listen to us right there and then when we told them, this is the kid, go to his house right now. If they would have gone right there and then when we told them and it, what we felt was wrong, it, it wouldn't have never gotten to this point. And those redacted items are very suspicious. And uh, according to the San Antonio Express, Shirts detective Helen Lafitte said Beckman bought several items that could be used to dispose of or destroy a body, end quote. So I have to imagine some of those items were in the redacted uh, pile there. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's it's amazing that the Shirts detectives are not even playing coy about this. They're like, yeah, these could definitely definitely be used to dispose of a body. It's a great point that you raised about the redacted items. I mean, they didn't redact bleach and lighter fluid. I can't imagine what was redacted that would cause law enforcement to publicly say that, that this can destroy a body. That's pretty telling. Well, to continue the um, pace of their private uh, search for Jacob, Sylvia files a second missing person report on Tuesday, March 9th. And on the same day, Bexar County deputies made contact with Ethan after his damaged vehicle was found disabled near the highway US 281 and Borgfeld Road. And on Wednesday, March 10th, Ethan's vehicle was towed to his mother's business. Detectives spoke to Ethan once again, and he gave conflicting stories as to how long they spent together and where he dropped Jacob off the night of the 7th. And then by Thursday, March 11th, detectives obtained a search warrant and seized Ethan's damaged car, that Volkswagen Jetta. They observed that it was power washed inside and out, um, parked and covered with a tarp. The floorboards were, quote, soaking wet. And shortly after this discovery, Jacob's missing persons investigation turned into an actual murder investigation when detectives were able to locate blood on one of the seats of Ethan's car. What a what a gut-wrenching moment. Again, like the pace of this has been something's happening every day and a, a week doesn't even go by and it turns into a murder investigation. Um, also, just so sloppy, just so sloppy, like power washing the inside of your car like no one does that i mean you're just giving yourself away 
And on Friday, March 12th, a warrant was issued for Ethan Beckman's arrest for tampering with or fabricating physical evidence, which is a third-degree felony. Unfortunately, nine days pass, and Ethan Beckman was unable to be located by authorities. And we're talking the time period of March 12th to the 21st. Yeah, and now comes the craziest part, in my opinion, in this kind of investigation saga, because... Sylvia and her sister were the ones to discover that Ethan Beckman had fled the country. Three o'clock in the morning, my sister-in-law calls us and she says, I couldn't sleep. And I was just like Googling Ethan Beckman. And it came out uh, a news article or a magazine article from Milano uh, newspaper in Mexico. Tell me, Joel, this is my husband's name. Is this the boy you're looking for? And he woke me up and he's, we're like looking. I said, yes, that is him. That's him. She says, they have him in Mexico. And I called the detectives the next day and I told them, did you all know he's over there? And I said, well, um, I don't know. Let me, I called them Sunday to let the detectives know. And then Monday I waited and waited 10 o'clock in the morning, I went to their office and I said, okay, so tell me what's going on. Y'all got him now? You know where he's at? And he's like, who? I said, Ethan, he's in Mexico, right? You know, he's in Mexico. No, we didn't know. I said, what? I said, where did you see that? Maybe it's fabricated. And I said, well, I don't have my phone on me. I'm not going to. I said, don't you have a phone? Can't you just Google Ethan Beckman and boom, he'll show up. And he goes, no, we were not aware of it. I'm like, so I'll have to get my uh, people to look into it. That's so, that is so sad, isn't it? And on March 22nd, the Strategic Deployment Unit's agents carried out an operation at the La Silla Hotel in the Sarabia neighborhood. And they apprehended Ethan Beckman after proving that he didn't speak Spanish. And an immigration office discovered a warrant for him out of Texas, and he was detained. Again, how sloppy is that? You you flee to a Spanish-speaking country, and you can't speak Spanish. I, I mean, you're done. Yeah, you can't even pretend good enough. Yeah. And to add to the frustration, Beckman's mother was also arrested, accused of hindering the investigation, and hiding Beckman from authority. So was she the person who said, you need to go to Mexico? I mean, it seems that way. I think she she aided and abetted, in a way, her son, which it's that must be like the most difficult situation ever. I feel like you'd like to think that you would speak to Jacob's mother, Sylvia, and 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 be like, I'm so sorry for what it seems like my son did. We'll try to get justice. But from a mother's perspective, you're going to protect your child. So I think she chose her her child over the moral thing to do in this situation. Yeah, I get that instinct, but I'll tell you, nothing drives me crazier when we cover these cases uh, than when something like that happens and a parent covers for the kid. As a parent, no. that is, It is not a hard decision. Sorry. Sorry, kids. <laughs> really? You'd let your kids go to jail? Yes, if they murdered someone or if they... Yes, yes. I don't know what I would do. I don't have kids. I feel like um, that would be hard. 
also, can I just, um, I don't know why I'm hyper-focused on just, just the sloppiness of this. After power-washing the interior of the car, they still found blood. It's incredible to me. And that blood that the investigators found actually launched this into an ongoing murder investigation. So whether it was Jacob's or not, I guess we don't know, but you can kind of read the read between the lines. Yeah, you certainly can. I don't think we can confirm that it is Jacob's blood, but it definitely spurred the investigation further. And Ethan was booked into the Guadalupe County Jail in Texas on March 29th, not for murder, but for a third-degree felony of tampering with evidence. So to be clear, he's in custody, not for the murder of Jacob. Yeah, and Holly and Sylvia go on to say how important it is to get more information about Ethan's movements that night and the day following Jacob's disappearance. We are trying to find somebody, anybody who has maybe um, seen, and I don't know if we can post or um, share a picture of the guy, but if you go on the Guadalupe um, County Jail website and type up his name, his name is Ethan Beckman. It's public record. You'll see a picture of him. Even on the Crime Stoppers website, has a picture of my son and the picture of the uh, person who was suspected of murdering my son. What I want is anybody who's either seen him or her in the area looking suspicion, suspicious, acting suspicion, suspicion in an area where they don't belong because they're from here in shirts. But if they're out in the country, uh, you know, the countryside, uh, what are they doing out there? Okay, and I just want to stress about any eyewitnesses, anyone who saw anything that night, please turn over your information, whether you think it may be important or not. If you saw that Jetta, if you saw Jacob, Ethan, or anything suspicious that night in that area, please turn over your information, because I would think there's definitely at least one eyewitness to, you know, seeing some of the movements, but... It appears those eyewitnesses haven't come forward yet, or maybe they don't even know what they saw was interesting. Yeah, exactly. And and back to the uh, don't worry about being an alarmist. Uh, yeah, raise that antenna. Like, sound that alarm. That is, uh, again, the worst thing that'll happen is uh, you'll not hear anything back with your information. You can submit it anonymously. And Jen, great work again on speaking with the family about this. It's one thing for us to say something like that, but it's another thing to hear the mother, you know, stress that and you know, almost beg for it because it is that important. They definitely have their priorities in order with this case. They kind of know in their hearts what happened to Jacob. Obviously, they want to bring Jacob home in some way. So as of December of 2021, the family was told that law enforcement was at step three out of 10 in this process, and they were told it can take up to nine months for the DNA to come back from the lab, which is interesting to here, I guess, because we've seen the processing of DNA happen in weeks, sometimes a couple of days based on what priority level it's at. Right. Yeah. We've also seen um, some states take years to do testing years. though, because it's just yeah. waiting in, in queues. Um, so yeah, so this is um, obviously a certain level of priority, but, uh, but it's not like they're Othram, you know, it's not like the Texas state lab is, is Othram and they can just, uh, do it in a uh, in a snap. Yeah, and I think like in terms of priority, um, their suspect is in custody. He's not out there um, 
potentially committing other murders. So they're just looking for that concrete evidence that will make this a slam dunk case. And the family was able to raise the Crime Stoppers reward to 10000 from 5000 as of January 2022. So really well done. And uh, there is a GoFundMe that is run by Sylvia Dubois. So you can check that out. There's a link in the show notes or you can just search GoFundMe Justice for Jacob. So once again, great work to uh, Rachel Oliver, who put this research together. Great work, Jen, on interviewing the family and working with Private Investigations for the Missing to bring this to our attention. Um, again, if anybody has any information, you are urged to contact the Shirts Police Department at 210-619-1200 or searching Crime Stoppers uh, Jacob Dubois, D-U-B-O-I-S. The most important thing is I want to find my son. I want to find my son. I have every reason to believe with everything, details that they've been telling us with the court hearings and meeting with the detectives that my son is no longer with us, you know, but I do want to put him to rest if that is the case. So if anybody can help us solve this mystery, it, you, we would be very grateful to it. And like I mentioned before, we do have a uh, Crime Stoppers um, up for with a reward for him, uh, $5,000. And uh, we did create a GoFundMe to try to raise that, at least double it, you know, to $10,000. Um, so if anybody's interested, that's what we're going to be doing. If you know any information, just know uh, that as soon as it's the money is available, we're going to give it to the Crime Stoppers so that they can put the uh, reward up to $10,000. Another uh, thing that we're also well, uh, trying to do, and um, since Jacob's disappeared, is uh, this is... Jacob's torch. I don't know that you can see it very well. I created this little project to try to honor my son while he's missing because my son would, if if you needed something, he would help you. I think you should uh, carry Jacob's torch and pay it forward and do something kind for somebody. And then I said, not just you, I think that's something that we need to do. We need to do something and uh, for Jacob, and um, we created some T-shirts that says Jacob's Torch, and uh, that's how we're going to honor him until we find him. We're going to help others with that torch. I have, a, I have a final question for you guys. How would you characterize the relationship between yourselves? It's like Jacob brought you guys together, and and now what is it like between the two of you? And she's still my mother-in-law. <laughs> And she's still my daughter-in-law. <laughs> I I just love her so much. I, and um, I could never thank her enough for the happiness that she brought to my son's life. I, I just, just uh, not enough to pay her back for that. And it just makes me happy to know that if at any time that my son had to leave this world, I'm so glad he left it when he was so happy in his life. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't on a bad note, like he was miserable or or just, uh, you know, just not feeling good or didn't have a good love in his life. And 
the love of love of his life and she will always be the love of my life too <laughs> Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.